Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. When you look at the latest census data, like half of our listeners right now are married. Half of us are single. We're talking with Kat Harris about dating in a world that doesn't always line up with your values. Hey, Kat, how are you? What's up, Scott? How's it going? Good, good. Now, Kat, you're an author. You're a photographer. I mean, you've shot celebrity weddings. You've done photos for Fashion Week and worked with GQ and Vanity Fair and People Magazine. And you also have a blog called The Refined Woman. But you said something that really stuck out to me. You said, no matter what I was working with, a model, a bride, or a brand, my heart goes out to every woman that I cross paths with. So I got the opportunity. I want them to know that they're worthy and that they have a voice and a story that matters. Yeah, man. I think we all share the message that we need to hear the most. And I do think that my message is for people, men and women. However, I think because for so long, I struggled believing that I am worthy, believing that God could have love for me, believing that God could have the breakthrough in my career for me. I always could see how possible it was for God to do incredible things for other people. And I would be like the prayer warrior for everyone else in my life. But for so long, (laughs) I was like, I just felt like the forgotten child almost. And so I realized, man, and part of God healing my story was me starting to believe this message that I was preaching. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it's, it's, it's become a greater passion than I could ever imagine, probably because it's the message that I needed more than any other message. Well, tell us your story, Kat. Oh my goodness, where do I start? I grew up in Texas, so sort of the belt buckle of the Bible belt, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but Christianity in the South is sort of the air you breathe. You know, it's football on Fridays, church on Sunday, (laughs) and I ended up becoming a Christian my senior year of high school, which in Texas, I was like, oh, I'm like late to the faith. <laughs> and now in my 30s, I'm like, I became a Christian super young. Um, but yeah, so once I sort of dove headfirst into my relationship with Jesus and church culture, I learned a lot about do's and don'ts for dating, stuff like modesty, purity, good Christians don't have sex until marriage. And to be frank, I never really questioned any of those narratives just because I was like, I love Jesus. And if this is what they're telling me to do, then, then no, I will not hold hands on a date. (laughs) And really a huge breaking point for me happened when I moved to New York almost 10 years ago, when I started dating, fell in love, got heartbroken and casually dated for the first time in my life. And I kind of got to this fork in the road moment where on the heels of a breakup, I was like, I don't know what I believe about God and sex and dating outside of what my youth pastor told me. And is this stuff true? Is abstinence still relevant? Am I worthy of love? Do I need to hide my body so the men in my life don't struggle with lust? And so I went on what I thought would be like a little quiet time (laughs) of let me see what the Bible says about sex. And it turned into kind of like a five-year journey of asking God my biggest questions about my body, about sex, about dating, intimacy, and really everything in between. 
So let's face it, you know, being single in this culture, it is challenging because we have values as Jesus followers, but culture pushes back against those values. And when you're dating, even dating people in your church, you find really quick that people don't even share your values. Now, we're talking mm-hmm. with Kat Harris. and She actually has a blog called The Refined Woman where it really digs into this and has a new book as well. But Kat, it's interesting because when we want to start dating someone, when we're thinking, okay, I want to get married someday, ah, dating casually, it doesn't work, it's kind of dumb, but you feel like you still have to date to meet people. Kat, what have you learned about that process? Oh my gosh, so much. I think the biggest thing is I believe that dating is a curb, not a cliff. And what I mean by that is I feel like in Christian culture, because we want to be intentional, right? I I want to be intentional with my faith, with my spirituality, and how I show up in every area of my life. And in that, I think we mistake intentionality with pressure. And we think, if I don't know on date one, if he's the one, then I don't want to waste my time. Or if I don't know, like, if he's my quote-unquote exact brand of Christian, I don't even know if I should even look at him. Whereas, I think that dating is just get spending time with another human being that God created and God does not create a boring person because God doesn't create boring things. (laughs) And so what if we approach dating with a level of intentionality while also removing the pressure of you don't have to know on date one or date two or date three, if they're the one part of knowing and discerning where a person is at spiritually and whether or not they're a good fit is through getting to know them and is through getting quality time with them. I think there's so much pressure in the church with dating. And I know a lot of my girlfriends are constantly asking, why aren't guys in the church asking more women out? And I think it's this twofold reason of most women put so much pressure on those first few dates that it can feel way too much pressure to even ask the person out. And then I also think what can happen in the church is we have this sort of girl code that, oh, if he asks you out for coffee and it doesn't work, and then he asks someone else out, (laughs) well, then he's a player or like you have like staked your claim on that person. So you've made sure that all your friends know that they can't date them. And so I think we really need to release the pressure that we have on dating and trust that over time, God is going to reveal to us if this person is a good fit. And part of the process to know if they're the one is through spending time with them. It's interesting how all the studies show the way you grow an acquaintance into a friendship, into a best friendship, is simply by time. And we're talking with Kat Harris, and she's an author, a podcaster. I'll tell you what, Kat, you wrote a book digging into intimacy, digging into the pain and honesty of dating and desire. You know, it's interesting because we think about dating as like, okay, we'll go out a couple times, I'll decide, like, is this worth my time or not? But essentially, we figure out who people are and what they're passionate about and where their spiritual nature is by actually spending time with them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a good point. And I think something that I felt really challenged by a few years ago, I felt like God really asked me, am I looking for a spiritual clone or a partner in crime? And I think sometimes we can be like, oh, well, are they reading Jesus Calling or not? Do they listen (laughs) to... Bethel or Hillsong, well, if they don't listen to the type of worship music I listen to, then they must not be a quote-unquote legit Christian. A lot of my coaching clients, the single women of faith that I coach in dating, 
they constantly like, well, I don't know if the person is like a quote unquote legit Christian. And I'm like, just because he doesn't do your Bethmore Bible study does not mean he <laughs> is not serious about his faith. Just because he did not listen to that Tim Keller sermon doesn't mean he's not serious about his faith. And I think what happens is we approach dating like it's a job interview as opposed to with the posture of humility and curiosity of, wow, like God really loves this human and God created them. And that means that this person really matters to God, regardless if we end up dating or they become my spouse, like they really matter to God. So what if I led with a posture of curiosity of just getting to know who they are and how they're wired as opposed to, well, I don't want to waste my time. I want to ask these certain questions to see if they filter my spiritual resume that I have in order so that they could be good enough to date me. Identity is so distorted in our culture right now. And I'm Scott Harold. We're talking with Kat Harris. She's an author and podcaster and educator. And Kat, it's interesting when you're dating because you think about the other person. You think about what you want out of a spouse someday. You think about if this person is fun. But a lot of times when we're dating, we learn more about ourselves. And our identity gets pulled into our job or how much money we have or don't have. Or we define it by interests or the way that we feel like we're creating. But if we put our identity in anything before Jesus, we totally go sideways, don't we? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think that's such a good point. I think so often the cultural message is you are your desire. Do what feels good to you. Live your truth. If you want it, you are entitled to have it however you want it, whenever you want it, like yesterday. (laughs) I mean, just open up your takeout app and you can order any food, at least here in New York City, you can order any type of food any time of day and get it like piping hot in 30 minutes. And so I think culture says that I am my desire. Lead with your desire. As long as it feels good, do it. And I think that sometimes in the church, we also get confused what who we are and what our identity is. I think often it can become, especially as a woman, like I matter when I get married or my purpose will start when I meet the one or, you know, I will my and we don't say this with our words, but we say it with our actions. My identity really isn't how much money is or isn't in my bank account, as opposed to what if we go to the scriptures, the very beginning of the God story, Genesis 126 through 31, God says, let's create humans in our image and our likeness. And so who I am is the Latin phrase is Imago Dei, who I am as a child of God. Like that's the starting point of any conversation, not what do you do or how much money do you make or have you gone to therapy or, you know, are you single or in a relationship? Yes, all those things are a part of this story. But I think I know in my life, like I've gone off course when I am just, it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, but also it would be really nice if I had this, like Jesus plus this. And it, it's subtle, right? Like, especially as single people, because so much of church culture can revolve around, are you dating? Have you met someone? God forbid you're in your thirties and single. <laughs> but yeah, I think it just comes back to pausing and saying, okay, who am I? Actually, who I am as a child of God. And so who I'm becoming Everything that I do or do not do, every action, every word, every decision is pointing me in a direction and on a path. And is the direction of who I am becoming more and more of a child of God or is it elsewhere? 
Yeah, you mentioned a minute ago, like joking around about like, oh, I don't want to be single in my 30s or 40s. But Mm -hmm. that's the reality of where half of America is right now. I mean, for whatever reason, I mean, some people have never been married and by choice. And other people just didn't find the right person and had some broken relationships. And the guy was just a doofus and he missed the boat. It wasn't you. Or the other times it's just like, yeah, maybe you went through a divorce and you found God after all of that. And he's rebuilding and reconciling and refocusing your identity but when you've dealt with brokenness cat what have you learned about identity first of all i'm 35 and single never been married so for me this stuff isn't theory or theology it's my life like i am living breathing walking out the journey of singleness i'm online dating i am putting myself out there and so i get it like i get what it is to be single in today's culture in a culture that glorifies hookups and I know what it's like to date in the church when it feels like so much pressure. So first and foremost, just wanted to share that is the space I'm coming from. And I think the real beauty, back to your question about heartache or a broken heart or any sort of fracture in our lives is I've experienced in my own life that it's the breaking that typically is the access point for the biggest breakthroughs in my life. Typically, the moments of heartache or woundedness or tenderness or rejection or failure, those are the moments where Jesus is so near and dear and sweet and real to me. And so I think it's so easy to just want to avoid pain. Like, ah, like I don't want to put myself out there because I don't want to be rejected. Or what if they find out I like them? That's going to be so embarrassing because what if they don't want me back? But I really believe to be open to love is to be open to pain. And, you know, C.S. Lewis has that beautiful quote that says to love at all is to be vulnerable. And if you don't want to love, you're going to have to eventually lock your heart in a cold, dark casket uh, coffin in your heart, and then your heart will slowly die. So, and that I feel like as far as when we experience that brokenness, it typically offers us little lights and beacons of, oh, wow, this, this just hurts because it hurts. Heartache hurts because heartache hurts and breakups suck because breakups suck. <laughs> and no matter how old you are, in fact, I think the older we get, the more they can hurt because there's more um, behind it. You know, we're not like 18. Oh, it's okay if he doesn't ask me to the dance. It's like, I'm 35. I want to have babies. <laughs> like, And so when the rejection happens, it hurts more. But I also think it's an opportunity to sit with the both and. Like I can be heartbroken, I can be sad, I can feel disappointed, I can feel the pain of rejection and hold in the other hand that none of that has anything to do with my identity, that who I am is grounded in who God says I am, back from those very first pages of the Genesis story, that everything I want and long for, I already have access to because of who Jesus is and what he has done. So Kat, what have you learned about defining boundaries in a hookup culture? I mean, even in church sometimes, you start dating someone, you go out a few times, and then they start to move towards you, and you're like, whoa, 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 I, I want to define where we are on all this. How have you learned to do that in a gentle but focused way? Yeah, it's so important to know what are my physical boundaries before I get in a situation Because also, it's true that the reverse can happen. Like, I can say, oh, I know I want to, you know, wait till marriage to have sex, or I want to have these boundaries. And then you get into the heat of the moment, 
And if you don't know why your choice, why your boundary is what your boundary is, man, heat of the moment is much harder to pull back the reins, right? And so I think the first step into identifying sustainable physical boundaries in dating is to identify what's your why. Why are you making the decisions that you're making in dating? Why are you having certain physical boundaries? I kind of take my approach from Simon Sinek. He has one of my all-time favorite TED Talks called Why Great Leaders Inspire Action. And he says, every great leader and company knows what they do. Some companies know how to do it well, but it's the leaders and companies that know why they do what they do that are the most transformative and successful companies. And Cynic says, Martin Luther King Jr. didn't say, I have a plan. He said, I have a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. enrolled people, invoked his why. And that got, pe- that got people on board as, wow, like he's connected to his why. So everyone wants to know, like, what can I do in dating? Well, can I touch his butt? Can we have sleepovers? What about oral sex? You know, what about no clothes? Or what do I do? What can I do? What can I not do? And that question in itself reveals to me that perhaps you haven't done the deep work of asking yourself why. So for me, as a woman of faith who is choosing to abstain from sex until marriage, I feel so excited about that decision. I feel so on board with, man, this is the invitation that God has for me. So in that, then it goes from what can I do or what can I not do to how can I set myself up for success so that I can be my word to myself? How can I finish strong in this commitment that I've made to myself, to my future, and to God? And so I think the first step is you have to look at your why. Why are you or aren't you having a sleepover? Why are you or aren't you having sex until marriage? And then how can you set yourself up for success to stay committed to your why? And I think in that, it puts the ownership on the person as opposed to, well, I heard on the radio, Kat said he can't touch my butt, so that's why I don't do that. (laughs) Like that's being influenced by external obligation as opposed to we know in the God story that real transformation happens from the inside out. We're talking with Kat Harris today at SOS Radio, and she has a book. It's called Sexless in the City. It's a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, and always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. Now, Kat, it's so interesting because when we get to know someone, essentially when we're dating, we're having fun, we're getting to know somebody, but there is an ultimate goal on the horizon if we're really digging into our why, right? It's like, I want to be married someday and I want to have a family someday. And is this the person that I want to be yoked up with to use a Bible term? Like, it's like, I want someone that is a strong Christian. I want someone that fits all these different boxes that I'm checking and, you know, and you're attracted to them and they care about the same things that you do, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately when we dig into this, if you're a person of faith, you've got to ask, is this person a growing Jesus follower? What's your take on faith as you're starting to navigate that beyond just a few dates that this is someone that I've got a lot in common with? It's so important to know before I enter into a date or a season of putting myself out there, what is it that I'm wanting right now? Am I ready for marriage? Is that something that I'm looking for? And so knowing where we're headed, like knowing my vision, knowing the prayer helps me walk out today with more intention. So you're getting to know a person and how do I know that they're 
committed to their relationship with God? How do I know that they're committed to grace and abiding in their relationship with God over the long haul? And for me, I look at the fruit of their life. And I know that's like such a Christian-y phrase, like what are the fruits of their life? But see how they are in different circumstances. How do they treat the person who is serving you guys food? How do they treat strangers? How do they drive? Do they have road rage? Are they generous? Are they kind? Are they their word? I think sometimes we can have people in our lives that are, I call them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study my Bible. I, I'm gonna <laughs> go to church. I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna get out of debt. And yet they're not following through. And so maybe you are an I'm gonna person, or maybe you're seeing an I'm gonna person. What they've shown you is that they lack integrity. So look at who they are. What are their priorities? How do they spend their time and their resources? What do other people say about them? I think that's why it's so important to get to know people and date in community. And I'm not saying only you should only date and go on group dates. No, but how are they like around their family? How are they around their coworkers? How are they around their church friends? Is there a consistency or are they different people in all of those different realms? And ultimately, I also think, you know, scripture says out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. When you love something, it flows out of you. So if there is a genuine heart to seek God in their life, Perhaps every other word they're not saying, well, Psalm 37 says this. And when I did my seven-hour Bible study today, (laughs) I learned this. No, but look at the heart behind what they're saying. And, And I also just throw back the question as we ask ourselves, who am I becoming? Who are they becoming? Where's the trajectory of their life? And is that in alignment with the type of person you want to be with? Well, we're talking with Kat Harris today at SWS Radio. You know, when we talk about dating and we talk about sex, let's just go there for a second, okay? You know, a lot of people feel like, what's the point? Why can't I just hook up with a lot of people? That's culture. I love Jesus. They love Jesus. We're trying things out, and they decide they want to live together. What have you noticed about living together in this culture and why that's not a great choice? Yeah, oh, there's so much I could say about this. And There's a great book that I will suggest. It's called The Defining Decade by Megan Jay. She also has a TED Talk on it. And in it, she talks about how our generation slides into relationship. And by that, she means, you know, we start with the physical because, oh, I'm at his house three or four nights a week. Like we might as well save on rent or a mortgage, move into one place. And so end up moving in together typically as convenience or to lower rent payments, as opposed to being intentional about, all right, what are your values? Do you want kids? Like, where are you headed in your life? Are we on the same page about X, Y, Z? And the reality is that the statistics are staggering. When you move in with someone prior to marriage, the statistic of actually getting to the altar is very, very, very low. And in fact, what happens is, Instead of, you know, I think one of the driving forces why people want to move in together before marriage is because we're the generation of a divorced parents. Over 50% of millennials and beyond have parents who were divorced or multiple marriages. And so we want to avoid that. We don't want to make that same mistake. But statistically, when you are 
moving in. You're not having like one divorce. You're having a lot of mini divorces is what Jay says in her book, The Defining Decade. So I think that there ultimately is something really beautiful about withholding and saying no to really good and beautiful things like living together, like having sex until marriage, because I think that those like living together, having sex, like experiencing that intimacy is this beautiful manifestation of a heart, soul, mind, body, spiritual commitment to each other. And I wish I could tell you the exact data. I I wish I had my book in front of me, but the defining decade really was supportive for me because it's one thing to hear a pastor say, oh, like don't live together. It like, it's not healthy or whatever, but to see actually scientific research says when you live together before you get married, you're most likely not going to make it to the altar. And there's a soul part of it as well, where you think about, oh, this is convenience, or oh, we're trying this out, or oh, we like each other, we love each other, okay, and then you move in. But there's a part of your soul's joining when you're having intimacy that you have not signed up for mentally or emotionally, that you think just by living together out of convenience is going to lead you to a good space. But outside the covenant of marriage, that soul part gets so distorted, and that affects your identity. Yeah, I think it was so fascinating for me when I was researching for the book. Again, I think some of the most compelling information that I found about sex and intimacy came from more mainstream or secular research. And there is an anthropologist, her name is Helen Fisher. She advocates that there's no such thing as casual sex or casual sexual encounters because our brains don't allow for it. So when we experience a sexual encounter with someone or orgasm or sex, the amount of dopamine and oxytocin and neurotransmitters that are released from our brains. I think this is so cool because it shows like how detail oriented God is when God created us. But when the oxytocin and dopamine is released, when we have sexual intimacy with someone, it's literally designed to bond us to another human. Oxytocin is the feel good bonding hormone. It's what releases when we hug a friend or When a mother is breastfeeding her child and they're looking at each other in the eyes, oxytocin is being released. The surplus of oxytocin released during sexual intimacy is designed to bond us to another human. And then the dopamine that is released and a wild outpouring from the reward brain of our center is to create new neural pathways in our brain that says we want to experience this again with this person. So I think it's really cool that God made it that way. And I also think it's perhaps what Christians are referring to when we talk about things like soul ties. It literally, the neuro, the makeup of our brain changes when we experience intimacy with another person. Um, So I think for me doing all this research for my book, what was so fascinating is I felt as though the more I researched, the more I found like mainstream resources that advocated for the truth of how God created things to be. That is so interesting. Well, we're talking with Kat Harris today at SWS Radio. She has a new book. It's called Sexless in the City. And you can also find her blog online at The Refined Woman. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun. If you want to stay in touch with me, you can find me on social media or my website at The Refined Woman. I have a weekly podcast that drops called The Refined Collective, where I talk about everything from spirituality to dating to sex to meditation and prayer and personal growth and mental health. So 
check us out there. And then if you're interested in my book, you can go to sexlessinthecitybook.com. You can find us there too. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media. 